Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with a chastening of the Lord as we pick up in Psalm chapter 118, verse 17. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. We are told in the scriptures we're not to despise the chastening of the Lord. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Now, there is a vast difference between correction and punishment. God has ordained punishment upon the wicked, but he has ordained correction for his children. The correction comes in the form of chastisement. It was good for me that I was afflicted, we will read in the next Psalm 119. Good that God corrected me. It's a sign that I am his child. It's a sign that he does care about me. The chastening of the Lord. It is not penal. It is for the purpose of correction. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go into them and I will praise the Lord. This gate of the Lord into which the righteous shall enter, I will praise thee, for thou hast heard me and art become my salvation. Now, I do not know but what the prophetic part of this psalm may begin with the 19th verse, open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go into them and will praise the Lord. For there is in Scripture, other prophecies that relate to the east gate and the entering in of the Lord into the east gate. When Jesus made his triumphant entry into Jerusalem, he no doubt entered from the east gate because he came down from the descent of the Mount of Olives and went into the temple precincts. And the gate that went from the Mount of Olives to the Temple Mount was the East Gate. It was the one that entered right into the Temple Mount. So no doubt the gate through which Jesus entered when he went in on this triumphant entry. And in the 43rd chapter of Ezekiel, he said, and the I was taken by the Spirit to the gate that is toward the east, and it was shut. No people were going in or out by it. For the Lord, he went in and out by this gate, and therefore it is shut, and actually it won't be open until the Messiah comes again, and he will enter in through the east gate, and he will eat bread with his people there in the porch of that gate. So, the reference here to the gate could be the reference to the triumphant entry by which he came in to the Temple Mount through the East Gate. There is another Psalm 27 about the opening of the gates and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord uh, strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. And, and the psalm of, of opening the gates in Psalm 27, which again 
seems to be sort of a prophetic, it's not 27 either, but seems to be a prophetic type of a psalm. 24, yes, it surely is. Lift up your head, O ye gates, and be ye lift up your everlasting doors. The King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Even lift them up, ye everlasting doors. The King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. So the gate of the Lord into which the righteous shall enter no doubt a reference to the east gate. Now, when we come again with Jesus Christ and his coming empowering glory, according to the scripture, he will set his foot on that day on the Mount of Olives, and the Mount of Olives will split with a big valley that will be formed by the splitting of the Mount of Olives. And Jesus will come on in through the east gate into the city or into the city of Jerusalem, the old city of Jerusalem, the Temple Mount. And we will be coming with him when he comes. So the gate will be open. The righteous shall enter in. So inasmuch as we go then into the stone, which the builders refused is become the headstone of the corner. This is, of course, a prophecy of the rejection of Jesus Christ by Israel, the builders, the stone that was refused by the builders. Christ came according to the promise of God to the nation Israel to be the Messiah, not to be the Messiah, as the Messiah. And they refused him. But the same has become the head of the corner or the chief cornerstone. The chief cornerstone now upon which the church is built. Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This scripture is referred to in the New Testament. It is referred to by Jesus himself the day after he was rejected by the rulers. In Matthew 21, Jesus spake to them a parable about the householder who planted a vineyard, put a hedge around it, built a wine press or pit for the wine press in it, turned it over to the servants as he went to a far country, and how that when he sought to gather the fruit, sent servants back to receive the fruit, how that they beat some, how they mistreated others, how they killed some. And finally, he said, I will send my only son. Surely they will respect him. But when they saw his son, they said, oh, here's the heir. Let's kill him. And then the vineyard will be ours. And Jesus said, what will that Lord do when he comes? And the Pharisees answered, he will utterly destroy those wretches. And Jesus said, that is true. Have you never read? The stone which was set of naught by the builders, the same has become the headstone of the corner or the chief cornerstone. 
And he said, whosoever falls upon this stone will be broken, but upon whomsoever this stone shall fall shall be crushed into powder. So Jesus made reference to this psalm, making the application to himself, making the application to the rejection of him by the Jewish leaders. And yet the vineyard, he said, he will take away, he'll destroy these people, set them aside, and he will give the vineyard unto others. And so to nations, he said, who will bring forth fruit. So the, the glorious gospel and the church coming from actually among the Gentile nations, the Lord is created the church for the purpose that we might bring forth fruit unto him. So then Peter makes reference to it in the fourth chapter of the book of Acts when he was called before the council for the healing of the lame man and asked by what name he did it. He said, by the name of Jesus, does this man stand here before you whole? And he is the stone which was set of naught by you builders, but the same has become the chief cornerstone. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And then Peter in his first epistle, chapter 2, makes the final reference to the stone that was set of naught by the builders. Now, there is an interesting story that is told of the building of Solomon's temple. It is declared that all of the stones for Solomon's temple were cut and quarried and carved away from the temple site. But each stone was perfectly hewn out and marked for the place in which it went into the wall. Now, Solomon's quarries were up on the sort of northwest side of the city of Jerusalem, near what is presently the Herod's Gate. And you can go into those quarries today and see where these stones, these massive stones, were cut out for Solomon's temple. Also, you can see the area of the quarry for the temple that is now an Arab bus station, and you can see where the stone was quarried out there. Now, according to the story, a stone was sent for the temple that was not marked, and the builders didn't have any idea where it went. They concluded that it was just sent by mistake from the quarry. You see, the temple was put together without the sound of a hammer or a trowel. Every stone was cut away from the site and brought, and each stone just was fit in perfectly without even mortar, just interlocking stones without the use of mortar. And so this one stone, they didn't know where it went. It, it didn't seem to fall in the uh, sequence of their building, they cast it aside in the bushes. And uh, a few years later, as they were completing the temple, they sent the message to the quarry, we're all set for dedication, where is the chief cornerstone? And they sent back the message, we've already sent it a long time ago. What did you do with it? And the messages went back and forth from the quarry to the 
builders and finally someone found over in the bushes, overgrown with scrubs, the chief cornerstone, which had been rejected by the builders, but now was brought out and put in its place, the chief cornerstone of the building. That's the story that is told of the building of Solomon's temple. Uh, whether or not that is so is, is, is not really a provable thing, but at any rate, here is the prophecy, and whether or not this related to an incident then, it does relate to Jesus Christ. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Jesus quoted this to the Pharisees. Now, referring to the day of his triumphant entry, this is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And as he began his descent towards Jerusalem, the multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise the Lord, saying, Hosanna, or save now, O Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So this whole portion has to do with the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, plus the stone being rejected as he came into Jerusalem was rejected by the Jews. The official coming of the Messiah, the official rejection of the Messiah, here prophesied in Psalm 118. God is the Lord which hath showed us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords even to the horns of the altar. And Jesus, who came to be the Messiah, became the sacrifice for us. Thou art my God, I will praise thee. Thou art my God, I will exalt thee. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. Now, this being the traditional psalm that they sang at the Passover feast, it is interesting that as Jesus sang it with his disciples, they were actually already singing a psalm that had had its fulfillment a few days earlier. For a few days earlier, they were crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. A few days earlier, the stone was rejected by the builders. And so they were singing of that the night before his crucifixion, buying the sacrifice with cords to the altar. Very interesting indeed. Now as we get to Psalm 119, it is an extremely difficult psalm for exposition because each section seems to be more or less independent of its, in itself and each verse many times almost independent within itself. There are many psalms that are called acrostic psalms because the first letter of each line is a succeeding letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And so it's sort of like a crossword puzzle in a sense, where in writing it, each line that they would write would begin with the successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So the first line would begin with Aleph, the second line would begin with Beth, the third line with Gimel and Dileth and so forth through the, their alphabet. Usually those psalms had 22 verses in them. 
Many of them had 11 verses, but they had 22 lines. So when we divided them, we divided, or when men divided them, they divided them into verses, but there were 22 lines. And so each succeeding line and some with each succeeding verse is successive uh, letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Now this, every eight verses, all of the lines in the first eight verses begin with the Hebrew letter Aleph or A. In the next eight verses, all of the lines begin with the Hebrew letter Beth, B. All of the verses in the next psalm begin with Gimel, and so on through the whole Hebrew alphabet is here in this psalm, eight verses devoted to each letter, each verse of the eight beginning with that letter. Now, the Hebrew children in learning their alphabet were required to memorize this 119th psalm. It would probably be a little easier for them to memorize it because of the fact of it being an acrostic. Because of the A's and the B's and the C's. Uh, and it would be extremely difficult for us to memorize it because we would not have the same ability to relate it to the A and the B and the C as they did. But it is, of course, the longest, what they call chapter in the Bible. It really, Psalms really aren't chapters. They are each one's psalms. Uh, so with that as a background, let's jump into Psalm 119. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Now, in these psalms, it is a psalm that is dedicated to God's word. And in each verse, with the exception of two, the verse declares something about the word of God. And so all the way through, you'll find thy law, thy statutes, thy judgments, thy words, thy truth, thy ways, all of them making reference unto God's word, with the exception of just two of these verses. So in understanding this psalm, of course, you need to understand or you need to underline where the Word of God is referred to in each of the passages. And of course, in the first verse, who walk in the law of the Lord. Undefiled, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they which keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. 
I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. I will keep thy statutes, forsake me not utterly. So the law, the testimonies, the ways, the precepts, the statutes, the commandments, the judgments and statutes are mentioned in the first eight verses. Wherewithal shall a man young man cleanse his way? Good question. How can a young man keep clean? How can he cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Jesus said, Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. We will find another psalm down in the 119th that said, Thy word, O Lord, have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Psalms on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Psalms 118 through 119 when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord bless and give you a beautiful week. May His hand be upon your life. And may the flame of love really begin to burn in your hearts towards God. That this will be a week in which you're really in tune, in harmony with Him. And that love and and commitment is restored. And and it's just a glorious week of, of thinking of Him, worshiping Him, serving Him, loving Him. May God be pleased with you. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Do you want to know a great story about gang members, drug addicts, mental patients, society's rejects, and how God turned their lives around to use them mightily? It's all right here in the book Harvest. Join Pastor Chuck Smith as he tells the story of how God transformed the lives of 10 men to reach the world. Read the testimonies of Greg Laurie, Raul Reese, Mike McIntosh, 
John Corson, Skip Heitzig, and others, and see for yourself that if God can use these guys to spread the gospel worldwide, then God can use you too. To read a sneak preview of the book online, visit thewordfortoday.org or call The Word for Today at 800-272-WORD. I want to encourage you to check it out. This just might be the book to change a life of a loved one or even you. Visit thewordfortoday.org.